Welcome back to When Autumn Comes. I'm so excited to be here and I am so excited to be starting season three. Season three, guys. It's mind-blowing to me. Our first guest of the season is Beth. Beth is the owner of the Parent IEP Lab. I thought it would be so great for us to kind of kick off the season like we're kicking off the school year since it's September and dive right into the IEP process because we all know what kind of headache that can be. Beth has taken her years and years of experience as an OT and has opened this company that helps parents like us learn about a process that is often foreign to us. Today we talk through what an IEP is for anybody who's new. We discuss mission statements. Guys, I was mind blown when she brought up, we should have a mission statement. Why? I'm a business person. Why didn't I think about having a mission statement? We also talk about the fact that today, if you're listening to this when my episode is dropping, today is the start of her IEP summit. It's going to be a summit with 15 to 20 speakers. I can't remember the exact number, but I can tell you that I am one of the speakers and it drops today, but it's available for a year if you pay. If you don't pay, totally fine. It is a free summit. So hop over there. Link is in the show notes. Go go learn some things. In the meantime, welcome Beth. Hi, this is Susan, and this is Diane, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and the people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into her eyes and explained our child's prognosis, or for the caregivers who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that are just not typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We also know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change, it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to help you share your story let you laugh and cry, let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, When Autumn Comes. When Autumn Comes podcast is a program of the Apricity Hope Project, a nonprofit organization created to empower, encourage, and restore caregivers of medically complex and special needs children. You can learn more about our project at apricityhope.org. Welcome back to When Autumn Comes. This is this is really exciting. I I am not sitting here with a medical or special needs mom. I am sitting here with Beth. And Beth is, I met Beth through a networking group, I guess we can say. And we kind of hit it off and we had a lot in common uh, as far as our businesses go. And then we've just become like little business buddies, I guess. And so I wanted you guys to meet her because she has a really great summit coming up that will benefit everybody in our group. So Beth, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always on the lookout to uh, 
um, connect with people in the same special needs realm, right? In the same world. And I love how we met and just, it was in a Facebook group connected to a course and it was just so easy. So my name is Beth Liesenfeld. I'm an occupational therapist by training and I am the host of the Parent IEP Lab podcast. So I focus on teaching parents how to navigate the IEP process and really take ownership of their parent role within that IEP process. There's there's a ton of insider knowledge. As you know, there's a ton of secrecy around um, the IEP process. And I just want what's best for our kids. And I feel like parents need a little bit of boost and a little bit of direction, a little bit of help um, to get their kid a truly effective IEP plan. And that is my mission. Because as a parent, the IEP is just a scary word. It's a scary thing to face. It's a foreign language for a lot of people. So I know you don't like to be called like the IEP coach, but you basically help walk parents through, explain what to expect and kind of make it less scary. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened was I have served like two different districts and then additional like separate schools, like autism schools and things like that throughout my career. And there definitely is like three types of parents in their advocacy approach. And I kind of equate it to like the Goldilocks story where there's like too aggressive and it's too much and it just Mm -hmm. turns the whole team off and your kid suffers for that. Or you're too passive and you're like, oh, they have my best interest in mind, which isn't always true. But really, the you want to hope that that's true, yes, but it's not. You, yeah. Yeah. And some teams are, some teams are great, but then there's this middle of road path where if you have enough information about how the system works, you don't have to know everything, but if you know kind of how it works and you know, a couple tools that you can use to communicate with the team better, to communicate what you want the team to work on, all of a sudden it just makes this IEP process so awesome. And I've been to meetings where parents kind of did that approach. And at the end, everybody's like excited to get this IEP in place and to see the growth of the kid. And that's what I want for every kid, right? Is to have a team that's excited. Exactly. And so that that kind of excites, it helps the team, it helps the teacher, it helps the parent, but it especially helps the child. Mm-hmm. So going into an IEP, let's just throw it out there that as a parent walking in, especially as a new parent who may be transitioning from like early intervention to the school, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. So what exactly is the IEP for? Yeah. Somebody who's brand new. Yeah. And I was thinking about that. Like we've said IEP 10 times already. Mm -hmm. We haven't defined it. So exactly. An IEP is an individualized education program and it's all based in law. So even though your state has different regulations and checklists and things like that, everything comes from the federal law IDEA. And this is what defines special education and also set out categories for qualification. So for example, you were talking about parents who are coming from an IFSP, so an individualized family service plan, which is that birth to three service. When you transition to schools, it changes from a really family-centered plan to a really school educational centered plan. And it feels like it feels like the school team cares less about what you need as a parent sometimes. Absolutely. But because everything has to be educationally relevant and that comes from the law. So the general process is that you have to start with an evaluation, which is 
everybody kind of gathering information. In the beginning, parents have a ton of opportunity for input because your school doesn't know anything about your child. And it's so Mm -hmm. cool for teams to really rely on you. You'll fill out checklists for them. You'll have conversations with them. They will do some testing on your kid and figure out what skills they have, what skills they need, um, what services they might need, what accommodations or changes to the learning environment or how things are presented differently for them to be able to access their education. And then after that, you have your first meeting, which is your eligibility meeting, and they go through one of those state-centered checklists in a category. So just to throw out an example, OHI, which is other health impairment, is a really common uh, category that kids can fall under. And this just means that they have some sort of diagnosis that limits their vitality, their alertness, their ability to participate. They might be fatigued. So you'll go through that checklist together, looking at that evaluation report. Um, And then if your child qualifies, then they will receive an IEP. And an IEP is just an individualized plan for their education Mm -hmm. so it lays out you know where they are right now their strengths and their challenges and then builds out a plan with goals and accommodations in services to support your child to make progress to their goals so that they're learning and supported in school right and so so what you're saying is it's not something we should be scared of (laughs) (laughs) no no it's you know it's really intimidating and i think a couple factors of what makes it intimidating is a it's a legal process so and when you walk out of there you've got like three inches of paperwork yes that i don't know what to do with like it's like what do i do with all this and like am i supposed to read all of this and even when you try to read it that's the main problem with this being i mean it's a good thing that it's a legal process we'll get to that but the challenging part is it has all this legal jargon and big words yeah. in it and acronyms. So like, mm-hmm. you know, how many how many minutes did we talk at the beginning of this podcast where IEP, IEP, IEP. Right. Like there's all sorts of acronyms and it's really hard to find out what exactly those mean. And it's really hard to have confidence, especially in the beginning, to ask those questions and to slow everybody down and just say, hey, what does this mean? Exactly. No one wants to walk in and be like, can you define what the I and IEP means? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to go that route. So that's why I really appreciate what you're doing with your business, because you're breaking it all down for people. And we can get into like your podcast and stuff in a little bit, but like mm-hmm. you are a wealth of knowledge and a resource for families explaining the basics, but also digging deeper into the legal stuff that they need to know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, you know, I try to help parents within the first three years or so of their IEP. And people have said, oh, that's really weird to say it like that. And I'm like, well, it's for the overwhelmed parents that like, don't even know where to start. And like, like you said, I hear the I don't even know what I don't know piece Mm -hmm. so often. And so I try to create frameworks and be a resource for people to start and to say, what should I even be looking for resource wise? Like what's available? What should I be looking for? (laughs) In theory, if you're helping them the first three years, like you're, you're teaching them and encouraging them so that beyond three years, they know what they're doing at that point. Yeah. And I've talked to parents in the middle school level and a lot of them do kind of have their plan in place. You know, once you get a solid IEP in place that you feel like is effective, you just need little tweaks every year after that. It doesn't become this huge big deal. But -hmm. it's when your IEP is a disaster or when you feel like you've lost learning time for your kid and 
things are just not going well and you need to revamp the whole thing, that's when it's stressful, right? Right. So what kind of stuff goes into the IEP? Again, for newer people who are Mm -hmm. in that first three years, what should I be looking for? Benji just turned three. He just finished what we call early intervention in Virginia, Mm -hmm. and he will begin transitioning into pre-K at school or whatever direction we decide to go. Mm -hmm. But I had done two IEP sessions for Mm Lorelai before she passed. We didn't, we, we prepared for kindergarten and we didn't quite make it, but now I'm starting all over with Benji. Mm -hmm. So as I'm approaching this, what kind of things should I go into the conversations with thinking I need to be sure this is mentioned or this is added, knowing that my child is medically complex, Mm -hmm. but also has, um, he also has sensory issues um, that kind of resemble a child who could be on the spectrum, but it's all his disease. It's, you know, mm-hmm. what came first, chicken or the egg? Yeah. And so what would a parent, I mean, Benji covers the whole gamut of things, but what do I need to think about going into telling them this is important? Yeah. So I think, especially with kiddos like Benji, you are the main person that knows him the best. So you're an expert in your child. And I know a ton of professionals say that you're an expert in your child, but really there's different aspects to that, right? You know what he likes, you know what he doesn't like, you know how he communicates, which I think is probably the most important thing that you could communicate to that IEP team is what does he look like when he doesn't want you to do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What happens when he likes something? What does that look like? Because they're going to do a lot of trial and error with activities. And like you said, sensory uh, sensitivities as well. How is he going to communicate that to the IEP team? And they are not going to know unless you tell them. Mm-hmm. The other thing is just that priority of safety. Like yeah. what is essential to this plan that you need to know? And I've talked to a parent before where um, she, the child had a, a difficulty with swallowing and really her airway was really sensitive. And so this is like a life and death thing. So mm-hmm. I feel like with especially your listeners, it's most important to have some priorities of like, this needs to happen. The nurse needs to be involved or whoever you need on that team to have you as, as backup. You need to think about safety and you need to think about how are they communicate if they're having a good time, if they need something, um, if they don't like what's happening or if they want to do something. So communication and safety, I think, are the, the biggest things to think about. But in general, we talk about, you know, their strengths, Like, what are their strengths? Because they might not be able to tell that in an hour evaluation what Benji's strengths are. They might have to rely on you. They'll probably have to rely on you. And it's so hard as a parent to be on the spot (laughs) with things like that. I hate when teens do that. They come in and their first question is, what are the strengths of your child? I don't even know what you're looking for. Well, and as a parent, I feel like a lot of times... I feel like a lot of times they focus on the weaknesses instead Uh of the strengths and that's to no fault of their own because they're just trying to say, here's where we need to do more of a focus. But as a parent, it's awful walking out of there feeling like, well, my kid can't do anything. I think I told you that the discharge assessment from Benji from early intervention, like I'm a pro with this. I have a podcast. I talk to moms. We, you know, I have done so many assessments with Lorelai and I still, after six and a half years of doing this, I, I, 
cracked after his final assessment when they basically said he met one of his goals in the last three years. And I know it doesn't quote unquote matter. It doesn't because that's Benji. He, he hasn't changed based off of what that assessment said. Mm -hmm. But according to the state, my kid can't do anything. (laughs) So I ate an entire bag of pretzels and yeah. um <laughs> yeah it's and i think that's another thing to point out Suze, is just it's an emotional process because of that reason and again i circle back to it's a legal process because yeah they they have to prove in that paperwork that they can justify the money to provide services and so mm-hmm. it feels so negative and i'm excited to talk about the summit eventually because there's a great session by stacy from making sense of autism but it really applies for everybody she talks about incorporating those strengths into the goals so pulling in your child's strengths and mm-hmm. putting them into the goals so that you don't leave feeling like they don't know anything you leave feeling like man, they really know my kid and they're understanding what its strengths are and we're using this strength to get to this goal that we're working on, right? Yeah. So that'll be really exciting. Absolutely. And it's kind of cool to hear what it's like from the other side. Like you've been an OT sitting on the other side and, and to know that even you're looking at this going, it's a legal process. We have to do this. And knowing it has to be hard on your side of the table, too, to sit there and look at the parents who are like in tears or the parents who are like banging their fist against the table, you know, the Goldilocks thing. So what what would be helpful from the parent side is that you guys know we we feel sad. Um, But what would be helpful on your side of the table beyond your business, but your past life as an OT, Mm -hmm. what would be helpful for parents to know as we enter into IEP sessions? So I think a really cool thing to sit down and be able to do is to write a vision statement. And this is just what you want your kid's school day to look like and what skills you want them to work on for the next year. And really, you should have two different vision statements. You should have a long-term vision statement where you're like, okay, in a couple years, in five years, if you have a kid that's you know a little bit older, maybe you can think about what's going to happen after school services end. I see mm-hmm. so many parents get to that point and they're like, uh, I didn't think about this. I never thought about this. <laughs> like mm-hmm. what happens when we don't have the school for whatever reason, right? Yeah. Um, so really thinking about what skills you want them to be able to do in the long term and then breaking that down to make a vision statement for just the next year and then communicating that with your team. And those can look like an inclusion type thing where you're saying in the next year, I really want Susie to be able to participate in group projects with her with her classmates in her mm-hmm. classroom and it can be as mm-hmm. simple as that but it can also be like you know emotional regulation or communication i really want my child to be able to communicate um, his snack preferences in a year mm-hmm. you know maybe that's really important to you and communicating with that with the team before you even develop the iep is so helpful because then all of a sudden the providers have some direction as, and especially as an OT, I'm going to selfishly say this, that OTs are people who facilitate function in a lot of different ways from mental Mm -hmm. health to physical wellness. And so with your direction as a parent and what you want to see happen, all of a sudden I'm like, 
oh, that's B. I can do that. I can fit mm-hmm. into that plan. Okay, I know where we're going now because you might mm-hmm. have some providers, like you're saying, like if providers aren't seeing a ton of progress, then they're tempted to decrease their time to help your kid yeah. because they're like, well, yeah. it's not really working. I don't understand where we're going. But the vision statement can be just a shot of inspiration to the rest of the team to say, oh my gosh, we can totally do that. Or we can adapt this tool for them so that they can start mm-hmm. self-feeding. Or we can start to do this. Or we can make him more comfortable. Or we can adapt these activities so he can participate. But that all starts with the, the parent saying, hey, this is what I think they're capable of. And this is what I really want to see in the next year. And it just is so helpful. I think it helps too, because the parent can go in and basically say, like, in my case, with the very medical child, I can handle the medical side of things, but I really want you at the school to handle the social aspect. Like that is his school goal because we've got buckets of medical stuff taken care of at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And so walking in, having that in mind kind of empowers you a little bit in the beginning because you kind of go in going, you know, I am in control of this. Is this something too that could you walk into the third year or the fifth year of an IEP or is this only at the very beginning? Oh, no, no. You can update it every single year, especially if you have, you know, that long term vision statement and all these are going to change. Right. Yeah. Depending on what's yep. happening at home. And if you're seeing behaviors then that's going to change or, mm-hmm. you know, if they start expressing interest in a certain thing, then this is all going to change. So, yeah, I recommend that parents really revise this vision statement every single year and mm-hmm. You're supposed to get a draft IEP before your actual IEP meeting, which is so helpful to feel like you've had a chance to read everything. You might have to request it. But at that time that you get the draft IEP, it's a perfect time to kind of email the whole team back because you should get a notice of meeting that says who's going to be there mm-hmm. and email the whole team and just say, hey, I'd love to focus on this. Here's our vision statement. Here you go. So excited yeah. to talk with you or whatever yeah. you want to say. So. What about when you're halfway through a school year or Mm -hmm. starting the next year and the first year didn't go well or whatever the case may be, but we ran into, we ran, I mean, we were barely in the system because Lorelai had such a short little life, but we ran into issues where the teacher wasn't following the IEP at all. And she was going rogue and, she was trying to teach Lorelai things that like first graders should learn. I mean, like at one point she said, Lorelai color, the color orange in the top left corner of that paper. And I'm sitting there with my fingers up making L's to figure out which one's left and right. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, my, my child who was cognitively 12 months old, wasn't going to be doing that. Mm -hmm. So what does a parent do halfway through the school year when it doesn't feel like, the IEP is being followed or that their mission for their child isn't being addressed. Mm -hmm. So first of all, I just want to like you grit, you bring up a great point because so many people are taught, you know, professionally like OTs teachers, we're taught to presume competence and we generally have to teach to general education standards until that kind of shifts into modifying the curriculum. So that's a more advanced topic I don't want to get into today. I'm sure you have a podcast episode on that, right? I do on standards. I do. Perfect. Yeah, I do. Um, But it is really helpful. Again, I go back to that vision statement that you communicate with your team that 
what your expectations are, right? Yeah. Because some of those teachers feel a ton of pressure to make sure that your child is learning and they are trying to quote unquote, catch them up to those standards. But if the parent all of a sudden is like, okay, you know, here's Lorelai. This is where she's at. This is what she's working on. This is our expectations. And this is our vision statement for the next year. All of a sudden that gets put into context where they're like, oh, okay, they're not expecting her to, to catch up to kindergarten standards right now. Mm-hmm. We're just working on this and that's okay. And so sometimes that just communicates the expectations a little bit better, which is awesome. But if things aren't going well, I've actually seen a parent turn this around really quickly where she was so angry at the team, so angry at the team. What she did was she was aware of the resources and she got a facilitated IEP, which is just somebody from the state to come in to the next meeting and just sit down and facilitate a better conversation between the team members and her. Is that like an advocate or is that something different? It's not an advocate. It is somebody and not all states provide it, but most states provide it where it's just somebody that comes in and runs the meeting and slows Mm -hmm. the meeting down. So they make sure after each section of that IEP, because there's like 10 or 15 sections. Yeah. Yeah. After every section, they stop and they make sure that the parent understands what happens. They summarize the decisions that were made in that section, and then they get permission from both sides to move on. Mm-hmm. So it's a really nice way to kind of slow it down. And especially if you're experiencing some of those conflicts, like, hey, y'all aren't following yeah. the IEP, like this is an issue. Mm-hmm. It can help you work through some of those processes. Now, because it's a legal process, I mean, if it gets to a point where you're like, this is not working, then you can file due process or you can file some of those legal paperwork you can ask for mediation to go through mediation if it's really a big deal but really having a tool like just calling another IEP meeting in general it doesn't even have to be facilitated but you have the parent right to call a meeting at any point so if things aren't Mm -hmm. going well you just need to in writing request another IEP meeting and they are supposed to get the whole team together sit down and say this isn't working you guys aren't following through where do we go from here and then redo the plan if it needs to be changed or or address the issue or the person who yeah so dumb question but if i wanted to call an iep meeting who do i call like how do i do that that's a great question so i always assume that people know who the case manager is so you are assigned a case manager and if you're coming into the system like brand new coming from an ifsp to an iep Typically, that's going to be the school psychologist that runs, that is like kind of in charge of the first initial meeting. And at that initial IEP meeting, you will get assigned a case manager. Most of the time, that is either the special education teacher or a speech language pathologist. Everybody else is kind of a related service. So like I as an OT was never a case manager, Mm -hmm. but there are some states like Washington that allows an OT to be a case manager. But generally, it's the person who's going to serve your kid for the most minutes in the week. And typically, that's a special education teacher. Um, But when you get the IEP paperwork, it will say at the top, case manager, and then it'll have their name and their contact information. So you can contact that person. Yeah, you you and I could sit here and talk about this for hours. Uh There's so much content, but unfortunately it's not that long of a, it's not that long of an episode. That being said, can you tell my listeners 
a little bit about A, your podcast, and then B, your summit so that, you know, we don't recreate the wheel when you have all of this as a resource already. (laughs) Yes. So my podcast is called The Parent IEP Lab. And I do a combination of solo shows and then guest episodes as well, because I like to share kind of behind the scenes knowledge, what I've seen working for parents when they try to advocate, what are the ins and outs of of the systems and breaking down some of those acronyms and the processes. So I do that kind of in my solo shows. And then just like anything, and in the medical world, you know this too, you're never done learning. So I have all kinds of experts on that are like, talk to me about how inclusion works for you. Talk to me about this process. Talk to me about parent input statements. And so I have um, guests on the show and that actually just turned into the summit. So I had this idea for this virtual summit so that parents could really access the basic information and just be aware that there are professionals out there that are trying to make this easier for parents because mm-hmm. the school system is broken. <laughs> we haven't changed it. So many systems are broken. Let's so just. So many systems are broken. So we haven't changed the school system thing in a really long time. But if you know enough about IEPs, you can make it work pretty well, actually. Yeah. So this is just a good exposure know who's out there, get some basic information so that you go from, I don't know what I don't know to, oh, this sounds like something I want to investigate more, and you get connected to resources that way. So the summit is free if you just want to watch for the weekend. And guys, I'm speaking in it. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, (laughs) it's so amazing. There's, um, gosh, I think we have close to 20 speakers. 20, I thought you were at like, I thought you were going to cut off at like 14, 15, and you just kept adding. Just kept adding. (laughs) Because when people have good topics, I'm like, oh, yeah, we can totally do that. Absolutely. I'm a yes person. And then um, we do have some sponsors as well. So we have a Facebook group that's attached to the summit. So you'll be able to get in there, connect with other parents, um, ask professionals questions afterwards. We're going to have some Facebook Live Q&As after recorded sessions. And then we're, we have sponsors. So we have giveaways. We have a um, participation bingo card that's going to be super fun, which is how you enter in the giveaways as well. And then if you want to hang on to those sessions for a year, you can upgrade the pre-sale price. So if you're listening to this before the summit, which is September 22nd to 25th, it is only $27 to own all of these sessions, get extra bonuses from speakers and sponsors. That's all of their handouts and discounts from the sponsors and just amazingness. That's $27. And then it goes up um, during the summit as well if you want to upgrade to that VIP. So I believe that you have a link. I do. And we'll include that in the notes of the show. Perfect. And it will also be in the When Autumn Comes Society so that if people want to join. Can you briefly tell me, you haven't quite said what kind of topics will be discussed? Okay, so as far as the summit goes, we have a theme for each day. So the first day, day one, September 22nd, is going to be all about the IEP basics. So we're going to talk about what are re-evaluations, what does that process look like, and some parent opportunities for advocacy. We're going to go through the IEP process and just really give you the basics of understanding for the IEP process. And then the second day, we're going to break down some IEP paperwork. So we have sessions on um, parent input statements. We have an overview of what every section is in the paperwork so that you can just get a little bit more acclimated. Day three is all about IEP communication. So we're going to talk about 
Um, you know, I mentioned Stacy's session where she talks about bringing strengths into goals and discovering how your child learns. She has some great I'm excited ideas. to hear that one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, she's so cool. And I don't want people to get discouraged because her company is making sense of autism, but it's really for everybody. Right, um, right. And then we talk about six questions for collaborative IEP meetings. And of course, your session is going to be on day three with um, what to bring to your IEP for medical information, like that kind of medical mom um, Mm -hmm. information to bring to the IEP. And then day four is about parent advocacy. So we talk about how to present things, how to manage IEP stress, because that meeting can be stressful. Yes. And how to work through barriers of inclusion, topics like that. So it, we keep it pretty basic. It's still supposed to be parents really at that beginning stage of advocating for their child and having an IEP, or just if it hasn't gone well and you want to change and you want to kind of learn some stuff to make it go better, this is the perfect summit for you. And even as a refresher, like we all get into the groove of doing this, I assume year after year and having the same conversations, but to walk in with a mission statement, even if you're like kid is in high school and be like, this is what I need him or her to be doing this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, especially for kids like mine who are nonverbal. And I think it's so important. I never thought of the mission statement from my end. So I think that that is, if you take nothing from this, take that mission statement because yeah. 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 Yeah, It's just, it's life changing. I mean, you can go through and, you know, I see this happen a lot when your case manager changes too, when you have a really Mm -hmm. good teacher and you connect with them and your communication is awesome. And then that teacher leaves or you change schools or you move or something. And that we feel that to our bones in the medical community, because like when your doctor moves and you have a rare disease child and you are kind of put back with it, it takes so many appointments to explain your rare disease kid to a new doctor mm-hmm. or to a new case manager. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And it's the same thing in schools. But I mean, just like with the medical community too, your paperwork really, your file is uh-huh. what's most important because that's what they look into, right? That's what they go yeah. back and see what has been done before, what hasn't uh-huh. been done before. So, you know, just to get oriented and to know what your parent role is, to be empowered, to say, oh, okay, yeah. this is what it can look like. This is the beautiful picture that my kid could have support like this and it can be a good process because there's so much stigma around this being a terrible process and people not caring about your kid but it can be awesome and there are things that you can do to make it go awesome so yeah yeah so if people want to connect with you Mm -hmm. um you work with parents and caregivers all over the country yes i do okay yeah i focus on basic principles that do not It doesn't matter. Um, You know, I'm doing an eligibility series right now on the podcast where we're going through Colorado checklists just as an example. So you'll see some Mm -hmm. examples I pull from Colorado. But really, I, you know, I have a Facebook group. I have support in any of my courses or workshops. You know, I I help you source your state specific resources if you need Mm -hmm. them. But anybody in the United States I can work with. Okay. Sounds good. Well, we wrap up every episode with one question, and I'm excited to hear your answer uh, since you're coming from a different place than a lot of us. Beth, what gives you hope? I think in my business, it's really easy to get sucked into the negativeness of IEPs. And parents have some pretty bad experience with IEPs and school staff. But it's meeting people like you and you know the parents that I've connected with through my podcast and 
just other people that I've had on as guests, that really we are making a difference. And I think that parents coming into this IEP process with some gumption and some mission and some focus with their energy, even though that energy is pretty limited, but if you focus what energy you do have into what you can control, I have seen IEP teams really get inspired and step up. And I've seen people leave meetings just buzzing with excitement about what their kid can do and what their Mm -hmm. kid is going to learn. And I think that gives me hope that even though I can't change the whole entire IEP system and neither can you, right, that this really can be a grassroots movement and we can have our kids more supported in this generation than they were in the last generation. And that's what gives me hope. I love that. Thank you for being here. And uh, all of the information for the summit, your show, everything, how to be your new best friend is going to be in our show notes. So uh, y'all check her out. And Beth is actually in the Lynn Autumn Come Society too. So if you have a question or something, feel free to tag her and we will do a little post and all of that too. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all know I don't just willy-nilly bring guests onto this show unless, you know, they're one of us or I feel like they can bring great value to our audience. If you are looking for an IEP resource, head over to the Parent IEP Lab and talk to Beth. Join her Facebook group join the summit. It starts today. And if you are listening to this late, you can still join. It might cost a little bit extra. It's a free summit if you join this week. But if you're listening in the future, I think it's only like $30 or something and you have access for quite a while. Anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. And I'm, I'm so excited we're back. See you next week.